and Luke. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. This is going to make me look kind of freaky. Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Devaluing the word great if you follow for Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Final hour of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. It's an interesting story coming out of Vegas, Wolf, that uh, the, that you brought us in the uh, in the pre-show meeting. Just because of the the genesis of it, because you had Aaron Rodgers, it's kind of getting on his younger receivers earlier here and uh, about earlier this week, late last week, and then uh, you know people kind of clap back on Rodgers and they're like, "Hey, dude." You have a bunch of young receivers because you took all the money, and had you shown up to OTAs, you know maybe these guys would be on the same page with you right now. Isn't that kind of your job? And he responded, "Look, you know, my, whether I'm at OTAs or not really doesn't have an, an impact on my young receivers." Well, that sets the stage for Devonte Adams to be like, "Actually, I used to be a young receiver on the Packers, and having Aaron Rodgers around made all the difference in the world." He had the Michael Jordan effect as far as like he going he gonna make you play better. He gonna he gonna bring out your best just by being on the field it's not even about like like he was a great leader but it was it was more so just about i'm out here with aaron Rodgers. like you would always notice in otas like you know every now and then a, a guy that's in his what 15th year at that point or whatever they get days off in ota so it'd be times where he wasn't practicing and you would just notice people start to like not not fall off not not practicing hard but it wasn't the same as when Aaron is out there. Like he, he, like you don't even think about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody doing something versus versus like with nobody watching them type thing. You know, you obviously gonna run a little harder. Your coach watching you, so it was kind of that type of effect. And he he made me a better player out of that because the consistency came from that. Well, if I just I like those comments because it's it's about the biggest compliment you could give a guy that he's giving Aaron Rodgers, but he's also kind of proving Aaron Rodgers wrong by giving him that compliment. <laughs> yeah, he is. But, um, man, honestly, right now, what Devontae Adams is saying, I totally get, and I totally feel that. Um, listen, I came into the league wide-eyed. I really did in 1985. Oh, my goodness. Everybody was there. That is Roy Jetstream Green that is right there. That That is Otis Anderson. They drafted me to block for Otis Anderson, and that's Stump Mitchell and EJ Jr. and Al Bubba Bay. And I was I was really wide eyed when I walked in there. And yet Neil Lomax was a very good quarterback as well. He was really, really good. And he was the undisputed leader of that team. And man, I I walked in there and I just being around Neil and what a student of the game he was and how well he understood the game, it really had a profound impact on me. And I I know that it made me want to be better. And so much of the time, I think, especially at the quarterback position, um, great quarterbacks impact their teams in big, big ways. And I think there's no doubt that Aaron Rodgers certainly does that. And it's one of the things that I think is the next step for Kyler Murray. You know, you you talk about some of those guys that were there, like Neil Lomax, when you first broke into the league. But just staying on on you know what Devonte Adams said, 
is it is it tougher to impact the guys around you like that when they've been in the league for Evan a few Durant? Years? Like, did you have a few guys like that? You know, five, six, seven years into your league, where you're like, wait, this. Even though I've been in the league and I've seen most of the things around this league, this guy still has this impact on me and and our teammates. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, I, I think even veteran players understand it. My 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 brother Craig talked about it all the time with Terry Bradshaw. Google it, my young crunks. Okay, Terry Bradshaw. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, obviously a Hall of Famer, a uh, living legend right now. There, when you, when Terry Bradshaw stepped into the huddle, man, your head would snap up. There's an old saying in the game of football that says there are two times when you're in the huddle that your head will snap up. The first time is when the backup quarterback walks in. <laughs> when he walks in, everyone's head snaps up, and it's because you're looking at him like, dude, are you going to fall to pieces? Are you okay? Are you all right? Because if you're all right, we got a chance. We'll, I'll go do my job. You do yours. If you're okay, we got a chance. If you're not okay, run. Everybody, run. We're doomed. And the second time your head will snap up in a huddle is when a legend walks into that huddle. Like Tom Brady, like Terry Bradshaw, all the way, Peyton Manning. Um, these guys, Drew Brees, these guys are legendary. I would say Pat Mahomes right now. Pat Mahomes right now, legendary. I think great quarterbacks who step up into a huddle. I think great quarterbacks actually snap that head up and get the attention of their teammates. And because of that, I think makes them better in the process. So you mentioned that being the next step for Kyler Murray. Yeah. That's, it just, it's it's one of those, it's almost an intangible, isn't it? I mean, if, if I'm Kyler Murray right now and I'm like, yeah, I want to be that. I, I, want, I want to have that impact on my teammates. You can't just go out there. We had Zoe in here earlier and Zoe's like, well, he can't just go out there and start yelling and, and you know, trying to be somebody that he isn't because guys will just yeah. look at him and be like, that's cool. What are you doing? Like, is this a, a gag? Like, this isn't you. So you, you have to find a way to do it as yourself. And I, I know I mean, the, the, the biggest step forward to being able to do it is to go out there and win playoff games, right? But that, but that's yes. not all of it. Yeah, no, it's not all of it. Um, yeah, you know, he, he's got to continue to grow. This is the area I want to see Kyler Murray grow in, is the leadership. And that means accountability. And anytime you talk about accountability, Luke, you have to talk first about your own accountability. Yeah, You have to hold yourself, Kyler Murray, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard than you'll hold anybody else, any of your other teammates. Your standard does not apply to them, but there is a standard. There's no doubt about that, but your standard for yourself is actually higher than what you're going to hold anybody else. And when you're that accountable, you can bark at dudes. You can. And this is where he's got to take that next step. He did it. He did it against the Tennessee Titans in the two-minute team period. This is something I was talking about earlier. He was barking at guys that actually committed penalties out on the field a couple of times that really put him back. Guys played well around him from that point. And, 
you know what? They move the ball down the field. It's it's going to be such a big thing whether it happens this year. I mean, it's a gradual thing, but if, if he can get to that point. And the other name that we brought up earlier when Zoe was, was in here was Marcus Golden on defense. You know, if you're looking for a guy that isn't uh, necessarily a quarterback. Wolf, I, I'm not I'm not worried about the Golden thing. In fact, I almost kind of hope it is some sort of version of a hold-in because then that means he's fine. And, and I'm assuming at some point they'll be like, here, let's just throw a million dollars at this guy or an extra one or two because look at what he's done. But it is kind of strange we haven't seen Marcus Golden now in almost a month. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, I, he's the heart of this defense in some ways. I'm not worried about it because he's a dog, and that dog's going to play. <laughs> I get it. Um, it's preseason. It's training camp. He wants a new contract. Um, I, I, When the real games start, I'd be shocked if he wasn't out there playing. I do believe the Arizona Cardinals are going to try to address his situation at some point in some time, and I think it will actually happen before the first game is played. Has to. I think they're holding out right now, Luke, to figure out what that corner room is going to do. Yeah. And, and whether or not they've got the funds to actually go out and acquire a really good corner who's actually going to demand millions. I, I think you, you really are, are on this in the sense that the cuts are next Tuesday where teams go from 80 to 53. And I did the math before. That's like 800 plus players that are going to be available wow. the next Tuesday that aren't available right now. I think realistically, you probably wait for that. If you don't see what you like there, you make a trade, and then at that point, you probably take care of Marcus Golden. And you do still have a little bit of time, but again, the first NFL game is two weeks from tonight. We come back. What are the Cardinals getting out of this week in Tennessee? The joint practice yesterday, being there, the game on Saturday. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Wolf, a couple of NFL notes before we get back into the Cardinals. Trey Lance going to play tonight in Houston if you want a, uh, I don't know how many series going to be out there, but if you want a sneak preview of what the 49ers are running out there. Quarterback this season, Tom Brady is starting on Saturday against the Colts. Um, <laughs> of all the guys that probably doesn't need a preseason game, although you made the point earlier, he hasn't been around this team for like the last two weeks, so maybe he does feel like he needs it. No, yeah, no doubt about it. I would, if I were Tom Brady, yeah, let me out out there a couple of series heck yeah and the other one and this is not good news if you're a cowboys fan but tyron smith torn hamstring out until they're saying he might be back december i mean that is not somebody not somebody the cowboys can afford to lose no that really is that is awful uh, awful news for the dallas cowboys um it's interesting because there was a there was a stat that actually had the dallas cowboys They go from number one in terms of their DVA, in terms of their DVOA, as a matter of fact, um, to number 31 when they don't have Tyron Matthew. Wow. I mean, think about that. That, That's just one stat, obviously, but it is. It's not good news. That's the whole league. (laughs) And not only that, let me just say this, too. This is... This is something that I'm wondering, what is going on here? Because you see a lot of this, especially in the first couple of weeks 
of the season, the NFL season. Because guys are not really out there in preseason a lot, they're not getting a ton of work. For whatever reason, it seems like there's a lot of soft tissue injuries that happen in the month of September yeah. in the NFL. And those are the soft worst injuries tissue. usually. And you, you wonder you wonder if there's any correlation whatsoever. Of course, being a fat and old guy like myself, my brothers, I will tell you that I believe the body calluses itself. The more work it gets, the tougher it gets. The tougher it becomes, it calluses itself with the more work that it gets. And I, 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 I really wonder about all these soft tissue injuries that are happening in the game of football in the month of September, if it's got any correlation whatsoever with the lack of actually going out on the field in the preseason and getting reps. This, this being an audio industry, every time you call yourself fat and old, I wonder yeah. how many people driving around that have never seen Wolf are like, oh, that must be a really fat guy. Like, yeah. not, not, not really, Wolf. Oh, I mean. and starting to bald, too, oh, okay. by the way. I well, mean, I, it's just, it's, yeah, it's like everyone thinks. I, I tried I tried to help you, and you just somehow made it sound just worse. nasty. Uh, this is Cliff Kingsbury uh, talking about what he got and what the Cardinals got out of that joint practice yesterday. Yeah, they had good energy. Uh, they, they embraced it, which is good. That's what you wanted to see. We got a competitive group. We got some great leaders that stepped up and made some plays when um, we needed to set the tone. And uh, like I said, a lot to clean up, but I like the way they fought. And he specifically isolated that 11-on-11 work. Yeah, I did. Uh, we got what we wanted out of it and had some tough penalties called, which we got to get cleaned up, and we understand that. But I think just the operation to have a real NFL officiating crew and, and work it against another team was, was good for us. I mean, this fantastic. Man. You've been looking forward to this, Wolf, since the story it, before the press release ever even came out. When there was just talk, you know, a couple months ago that the Cardinals were probably going to practice with Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, and the reason being is because of the physicality of the Tennessee Titans. Um, you look, especially inside the box on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, my brothers. This is one of the juggernaut teams in the NFL in terms of their physicality, their mentality, their intensity, and how they go about their business. And I like the way the Arizona Cardinals offensive line competed. I like it. Now, again, um, I would say the Titans have one of the best pass rushes in the National Football League as well. And watching that two-minute drill in particular, when the Arizona Cardinals lined up and they went 11 on 11 against the Titans. The Cardinals held up, and they held up well on both sides of the ball. Now, again, it was a two-minute drill, and the teams were passing the ball, but um, Kyler Murray a couple of times got chased out of the pocket. He extended the play. Yeah, protection did break down, but he had a chance to survey the field before it broke down. Then he extended the play and made really good reads on the run and threw the ball and completed it and they moved the chains. Now there were some penalties, too many penalties of course and Kyler took exception to that. He was barking at his offensive line. He was barking at some of the guys that actually didn't line up correctly uh, causing that flag but I was really really impressed. It was good work for the Arizona Cardinals on both sides of the ball. 
Who are some of the guys you now going into this game? Because you, know, you and I talked about Chandler Wooten a lot on, on Monday. And to oh. me, that's a guy that, that obviously needs this game. He's got to have a, a big game against Tennessee. And, and even then, he's not guaranteed a spot. But he, you know, who knows? Maybe he opens up an opportunity. But who are some of these guys you're watching on Saturday? Not just to see you know where they are in the pecking order, but like, are they going to make this team or not? Yeah, you know, first of all, can I just say Chandler Wooten once again had a good practice. Did he really? Wow. <laughs> he did, okay. He did, Luke. This guy. He did, man. Zach Allen. Zach Allen flashed, which I really, really liked that he did. He, he had a good day. Um, but Chandler Wooten, man, is one of the guys I wrote it down again. And it was interesting because Paul Calvisi, of course, I don't walk around and watch practice with Paul wherever Paul goes in his forehead doesn't mean that I have to walk around with Paul and get the glare off his forehead. I don't do That's that. That's not why you got sunburned? He goes, he goes his way. I go my way for the most part. Paul was in a different area, and he he told me, and I think Paul would feel okay with me saying this, but he heard a couple of times Vance Joseph calling out, yeah, Woot, way to go, Woot, way to go. You know, I mean... You know, this That's a good guy, sign if the coach is, is talking hey, to you. It sure beats, the, you know, the coach saying, yo, blanking, blank, you know. Um, Who are you, number 50? Exactly. Yeah. So Chandler Wooten, once again, kind of stood out there, Luke. And That's great just because, like, when you look at the Cardinals' depth chart, he's so far down it that he's barely even on the paper. And yeah. yet, you're talking about a guy, yes, undrafted, yes, a rookie. But, I mean, he played his college football at Auburn. And he has he was a three-year starter. Yeah, Luke. so he was a team captain, a three-year starter. That's one of those guys. Stats don't always tell the whole story, or maybe the combine doesn't always tell the whole story. I mean, I'm not saying they found like I don't know Brian Erlacher yeah, there, right, but, but right. they may have found a guy that can that can play on this team. Right. And you asked me. Um, I agree with what you said, but you asked me there about some of the other positions. It really is to me the running back room as well, and what is going on there and how many reps will Keontae Ingram get? How many reps will he get on Saturday night? How many reps will Eno Benjamin get on Saturday night? How many reps will Jonathan Ward get on Saturday night? Because again, although you can explain away the number, whatever the number is, high or low, there is reasoning behind saying, well, you know what, they didn't play him a lot because they didn't want to showcase Keontae Ingram. They didn't want to do that. They wanted you just sit over there, Keontae, and let us cut you, and then hopefully we'll re-sign you to the practice squad. You know, I mean, yeah. or, or you could you could see it where they're, they play Keontae Ingram a lot, a lot of reps. You know why? Because they want to give him every opportunity to show them that he's better than Jonathan Ward. If you know what I mean, Luke. Yeah. So, so you could sit there in each one. You could look at Jonathan Ward. Why are they giving him so few reps? Why are they giving him so many reps? You know, and you could even bring it down to Eno Benjamin. Although I, I, I think Eno Benjamin is here. I, I have this gut feeling that Eno Benjamin is going to be the true change up back, the true change up back. 
to James Conner. It would be a real extreme fall from grace in just two preseason games if Eno wasn't on this team. Right. Unless, unless some other team is knocking on their door being like, we want Eno. We saw that play right. in San Francisco last year. We got a corner. We're going to trade you for him. Then, you know, then, you know, all bets are off. But just in general, the way they talked about him, the way and the stuff they said about him, too, it wasn't just like, oh, he's running really well. It was like specific things that were keeping him off the field in the past that, that meant more probably to the Cardinals than a team looking to trade for him. The fact that they talked him up the way that they, they did, um, I would just I'd be surprised if he's not on this team. But, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens on Saturday. And then, of course, on Tuesday, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Uh, we come back. The Diamondbacks are going to skip Madison Bumgarner for a start, at least a start. So what does this mean going forward for him and the D-backs? It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports. Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. D-backs lost to the Royals last night. They get another shot at Kansas City. Actually, no, that was it. They get uh, the White Sox tomorrow. So that's a, now. See now, Wolf. This really just makes it tougher because I was trying to keep track of what they've done in each series since the All Star break, yeah. and and they tied that series. <laughs> it's five, three, and two since the All Star break in series. Uh, in that game, though, Zach Gallen lights out again, and the bullpen came in and melted down. So really, kind of a microcosm of the entire season. Yeah. Um, there's two ways to look at that, obviously. This is the, the classic glass half full or glass half empty. The bullpen has really held the D-backs back this season. But the big picture takeaway, Wolf, is that Zach Gallen looks every bit like the ace that a lot of us were confident he could eventually become. Yeah, you know, listen, he looks like the ace that is going to get the money that the Diamondbacks free up when they trade Mad Bum <laughs> at some point in time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's so odd that we're talking about this situation right now in the game that Zach Gallen had and the fact that he's, what now, 27 in a third scoreless inning. Mm-hmm. He's on a stretch right now of 27 in a third innings pitched of scoreless baseball. It is truly, I think, it is his pinnacle since he has been here. He, there, he's flashed many, many times. He has been consistent a lot of the time as well when he was healthy. Um, but I think this is the best stretch that he has shown right now. And at the same time, you got Mad Bum missing a start. Well, the Gallon stuff is is crazy, too, because he's becoming the guy that I really do think most of us just assumed he was going to become. But he entered the season, Wolf, with nine career wins. And, yeah. you know, sometimes there's a prospect and you're like, oh, I think this guy's going to be great. And there's all this hype. And then either they pan out or they don't. But the hype always feels a little like a little over the top. With Gallon, it's just kind of always been like you watch him pitch. He's just so calm out there. He tends to get guys out. His ERA has been sub three every single year of his career except last year. But again, most of those years, like 2019, he pitched eight games with the D-backs and seven with the Marlins. 2020, he pitched 12 games. So yeah. 
go. It was like a relatively a small sample size, and yet <laughs> it's almost been just unanimous. Zach Gallon's going to become that guy. Well, he is becoming that guy. And to your point, the 27 and the third consecutive scoreless innings, that's now fifth all time. And it's still active uh, in D-backs history. Robbie Ray in 2017 went 27 and two-thirds. Brandon Webb in, t- in 2006 went 30 innings. Andy Bennis in 1999 <laughs> Andy went Bennis. 31 and a third. And then Brandon Webb again in 2007 went 42 innings. So he's got some work to do to catch that, that top Brandon Webb one. But if he goes out there and throws four and a third scoreless innings against Philadelphia on Monday, he's going to move up to number two all time. Yeah. You know, once again, all I can think of is Mike Hazen as well and his philosophy, defense and pitching, right? Pitching and defense. That's what he's going to continue to build this team around. And you think of the outfield and we've been talking about the outfield and how awesome (laughs) guys like Alec Thomas have been and Dalton Varsho. And you've got Corbin Carroll in the system as well and Drew Jones. You've got guys that are just excellent defenders that are in that outfield and it only continues to grow. Jake McCarthy. How do you, I mean, this guy, I love this guy as a fifth outfielder. Wouldn't you love to have Jake McCarthy on your team? Of course you would. And now Stone Garrett comes up. It's like, how many outfielders can you possibly have uh, on the farm here? But pitching and defense, and when I think of defense, great defense, I think of the shortstop, of course, that position, and I think of outfielders. And how much confidence some pitchers must have when they know they got a guy like an Alec Thomas in way of example of, of a guy that can make plays right up against the wall and steal hits uh, that are in the gap, literally make a play. I mean, I just think of the confidence that these guys give a lot of the pitchers that are out there. I think one feeds off the other, and yet the pinnacle of all that, the guy that is going to be the center of it going forward, and that philosophy is Zach Gallen. Yeah, and he's he's might be the first one of these guys that comes up. Every time we talk about the the future of the Diamondbacks, you know, I, I get into the whole like there's there's something here. There's legitimately something here to believe in. Set aside the fact you're in a division with the Dodgers and the Padres. This team has got some prospects, like some legitimately and some and, and not just prospects, Wolf, young guys that are already playing on the team and having success at the major league level. So that's that's you don't have to worry about Zach Gallen making the jump to the majors or even Alec Thomas. I know he's been up and down with the hitting, but his defense is already spot on. But Zach Gallen, I mean, he's they're paying him what, like seven hundred forty five thousand dollars this year or something. Something yeah. like he's going to be the first one that you're going to have to pay him at some point. And, when yes. you, and that, that's not like this offseason. I think he's arbitration eligible next year. But but this is the test. You have these guys. I don't doubt that they have some of the guys. Are you going to hold on to all of them and pay all of them if they really are all this good? No, that's exactly the question that remains, of course, for the Diamondbacks going forward. But I, you know, we keep talking about it, but it's the truth. I am more optimistic about what I am seeing right now within this organization than I have been in a long, long time. Let's put it that way. I I would say since the last decade looking at this because for the longest time I did believe that they had to build like the Minnesota Twins 
They had to build like the the race, the Tampa Bay race. They had to build from within. They had to develop. It was the only way they could compete. They can't compete with the Dodgers. They can't compete with the Red Sox. They can't the Yankees. They can't compete with these huge market teams that get to spend so much and their margins are so huge. They can't do it. So how do you compete if you are the Minnesota Twins, the the Tampa Bay Rays? How do you compete the Arizona Diamondbacks? You build from within. You develop from within. It's the only model that I think is sustainable. Yeah, and I think Tampa Bay really is the one because they're in a division with the Red Sox and the Yankees. So similar to where the uh, the D-backs are, they're in a division Before with the Rays, though, it was the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, yeah. Before the Rays. Well, and what I was going to say about Tampa is, like, you look at them and they They've had a lot of success. They should have probably won the World Series or at least had a chance a couple years ago when they pulled Blake Snell for whatever reason. But you look at their lineup, well, it's not like they have any like truly amazing players. If some of these D-backs prospects pan out, like if Corbin Carroll is what he looks like he might be or Drew Jones in a few years or you know Jordan Lawler, like Zach Gallen, the D-backs may actually have some, some higher-end prospects. Tampa has figured out, though, collectively how to do it. As far as Bumgarner, he was supposed to originally pitch uh, this this upcoming series with the White Sox, uh, at least for the time being, that is getting pushed back, and, and probably the Philadelphia series. I think right now he would be slated to start Tuesday uh, at home against the Philadelphia Phillies. And I think that is a big deal. It, it, it is, because I can't imagine he's... Maybe it's happened to him once or twice in his career. <laughs> I don't think so, though. In San Francisco, he was like the best pitcher in baseball every year, so it would have had to have happened here, and we would remember that. All right, we come back. If you're concerned at all about the offensive line, maybe somebody to hear from is Kelvin Beecham. He spoke today, and we'll get his uh, his thoughts next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Final segment of the show here on this Thursday. Coming up on the final preseason game. There are preseason games tonight. Uh, Cardinals' final game will be Saturday at 4 in Tennessee. But as I mentioned earlier, Trey Lance is playing for San Francisco against Houston tonight. If you're so inclined to check that out. Wolf, uh, this guy, Kelvin Beecham, spoke today. And typically when Kelvin Beecham speaks, you just want to hear what he has to say. We had him on what, a couple weeks ago. He's, he's one of the best personalities on the team. One of the smartest guys you will talk to. So uh, let's start by getting his thoughts on his newest offensive lineman teammate, Cody Ford. He just got here. Uh, give me some time. Give me some time. He just got here. Um, but uh, know that he's played, you know, some some quality football. Know that he's played on a, a winning a winning football team. So uh, he knows what it's like to win, and he knows what it's like to be a part of a high powered offense. You know, he had that in Buffalo, and I think. Well, I'm not going to say I think, but I know he has that here in Arizona. Yeah, you know, um, I love the fact he always takes such a measured approach <laughs> to his opinion. You know, honestly, yeah. no, it's, it's one fair. of the things I, I really appreciate about Calvin Beecham is the fact that he's going to give you a thoughtful um, answer. Rarely does he ever engage in the art of speaking median, and I appreciate that about him. He wants to know. Give me some time. Let me let me get to know this guy. He's not going to give you the Tyreek Hill answer of, who is better than Patrick Mahomes? I just met exactly. him four seconds ago. Not giving you that one. 
No. No. Beecham was also the guy in the offseason, too. Remember when they asked, they were asking everybody about Kyler Murray, and you were getting the anonymous quotes of, like, oh, he's, he's a horrible leader. And then you were talking to teammates, and like, oh, he's the best guy in the world. And Beecham was like, he's, he's good, but he's still got room to grow, which is yeah. like an honest answer. That one, of all the answers, all the, the comments we heard about Kyler Murray in the offseason, that's the one that stood out the most to me because that's like a real answer. Um, this is one that I want to hear his answer to the injuries to the offensive line, despite the fact the Cardinals are being so careful with their starters in the preseason. I mean, I think that's just part of the National Football League. You know, uh, there are no guarantees in the high performance business. That's just what this business is all about. All you can do is um, put guys in a position to be successful. Um, and I think as an organization, we've done that. Uh, but injuries are just part uh, of the game. You know, I think for us, it's how do we thrive in spite of. And we had this opportunity last year where we had some, some injuries that hit us early in the season and throughout the season. And we found a way to, to, to get through it and make the best of it. And that's just the National Football League. I don't think anybody is batting a thousand where everybody that they put out on the football field game one is there the entire season. That's what you hope for. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's a, that's a very hard thing to do. You know, it's interesting because I, I feel pretty well about the depth of the Arizona Cardinals offensive line. I feel pretty good about that. Um, you know, Rodney Hudson is a concern. When we talk about the offensive line, especially now that you went out and you got Cody Ford, Justin Murray at some point in time, hopefully is going to be healthy this year. I think Josh Jones, oh my goodness, Josh Jones has quietly had a very good camp as well in terms terms of developing not saying in in regard to suddenly josh jones should be out there starting at right tackle or left tackle i'm not saying that but i'm saying quietly i think he's developed and had a very nice camp i know he had a very nice one-on-one the other day when i was watching him up close and personal he did a very good job against a very talented tennessee titans team that can bring it off the edge in particular so i felt really good about that but uh, i think the depth on this offensive line is making me feel a lot better than what we've ever had here in the Cliff Kingsbury era. Yeah, I mean, the young guys are at least high upside young guys, too. Josh Jones, there's a lot of talk when he got drafted, he could have been a first-round pick. Now, he wasn't, and that was a couple years ago, but it was only a couple years ago. It's not like we're talking like nine years ago. Cody Ford comes in here, having played for a pretty good Buffalo team. He was a high second-round pick. pick. Yeah, early early second-rounder, too. Uh, One more from Kelvin Beecham, this time talking about the defense, specifically what he has seen from Dennis Gardeck. You know, he's getting better. You know, um, he looks like he did, you know, before he got hurt last year. Um, very slippery, extremely fast. His get-off is, is – he's understood how to time up his get-off where his get-off seems like it's really, you know, advancing. But, I mean, he's just doing a really good job of timing up the snap. I think he learned a lot from Chandler uh, as far as being able to experiment in practice, and he's doing a lot of experimenting, putting his body in different places, his steps and way he approaches tackles in a lot of different places. Um, but then at the end of the day, when he gets opportunities to thrive, he does that. Um, he did that, you know, uh, the other day against the Titans, which I was excited to see. Um, he's done it in the game against uh, Cincinnati. Um, so I think he's going to have a, a really good year this year. Yeah, well, if I don't know where the soothing I like how he called was him in the slippery. background. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Slippery. Um, but yeah, the, the soothing guitar music was that. What was was that? Rodney Hudson playing the ukulele? <laughs> like what's going on back there? <laughs> I have no idea. You got anything else? You got I, some more songs? Yeah, there? I want to play a little bit of Cliff here, just because you know Zaven Collins, Marco Wilson have been the focal point for a lot of scrutiny this off season, and so they asked Cliff today, "Do you need to see more from those guys?" I just want to continue to get those young players playing. You know, I think the more football they can play, um, the better. And, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that tonight and see if the, that's the plan. And they also asked him if they're going to play or if they're going to start on Saturday. It'll be a game time decision. We'll see um, how that goes, but um, we won't know till tomorrow. Game time decision in the preseason, Wolf. Yeah, game time in the preseason. <laughs> Boy, that's going to be a mystery right there, isn't it? I, I just honestly, I want to see the Arizona Cardinals come out of this healthy, number one. And when I say that, I, I know we're talking about maybe a handful, not even a handful, maybe three guys that will be starters that might actually get action out on the field. Um, but even the backups, even the twos that are out there, you, I, you don't want to see anybody go down. The Cardinals cannot afford it. They can't afford any more shallow rooms, so to speak. Yeah. Shallow rooms like what we're seeing in, in regard to the cornerback room. So it's starting to feel like an empty room. It, it really is, Luke. It really is a situation right now where, again, I, I want to see the most important thing is that the Arizona Cardinals come out of this game against the Tennessee Titans healthy, ready to go against the Kansas City Chiefs in two weeks. Um, that's what I want to see more than anything else. Uh, one more from Cliff real quick. What position groups is he keeping an eye on on Saturday? Uh, you know, all of them, really. I mean, there's there's the, that back end of, of all those rooms is still still open. Um, I want to see, like I said, how guys have improved each week and how they continue to pick up our system. You know, Wolf, I don't know why I thought he was going to give us like a specific answer there, and I've totally bought into it. Like, oh, this looks like a clip that really could, could shed some light on it. Cliff, what <laughs> position groups are you looking at? Yeah, all of them. Just every player yeah. on the team. Yeah. That's Psych. It. <laughs> you know, once again, it's it's you go ahead, you affirm the question. The question is real. It was a good question. I understand your question, and yet I will give you absolutely nothing. Th- th- that, that is, you know, again, I I say that as a compliment to Cliff Kingsbury because I spoke. I was a master at speaking media. I want one of his answers to be like that was a real question. All right, what's next? <laughs> All right, that will do it for us today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass, Lorenzo Alexander for joining us for an hour in there as well. For Wolf, I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Peace and strength.